Hi, this is Jam D. Mateus, and you're listening to the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. Greetings, Cap fans, and welcome to episode 120 of the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. I'm your host, Rick Verbanis, and as always, I'm joined by the best gosh darn co-host out there. That is Mr. Bob Lucius. Oh, Bob. Say hello to my little friend. Then I feel like there needs to be a sound effect. You know, like, I don't know. <laughs> right, right. Oh, that is one of my favorite movies, Rick. Is it really? Yeah, I love You that. love Babe? Yeah, I love Babe. Yeah, the pig yeah. every time. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. <laughs> uh. That is a great movie. And I've been thinking about it recently. In fact, I was talking to my son about it recently. Because, you know, <laughs> wait, 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 yeah, wait. You, yeah, no, you said before, you're like, oh, he... He's too young to watch Monty Python's Quest for the Holy Grail, yeah, but you're yeah. going to show him Scarface. <laughs> well, I was talking about it because uh, on, on Friday night, uh, he went over to a friend's house. And so I had to go pick his friend up. And so uh, it, I, I hadn't heard of this kid. I didn't know where he lived. I had to look it up on uh, Google Maps. My wife, you know, mm-hmm. she she didn't know this, this family either. But she she dropped him off and she met the dad and she came back and she looked up the house on Zillow. And she's like, check out this house. It's like a mansion. And and I did. And it was like, I don't know, it's like a million and a half bucks, right? Which which isn't mm-hmm. a lot for you know a mansion around here. But uh, it reminded me of Tony Montana's house. Oh yeah. It, it had like it was all white inside, like everything was white. And there was like it, have you been to Las Vegas? No. No. Well, if you go to Las Vegas, you go to Caesar's Palace, there is the um the shops um the appian way or whatever it is but but you know they paint the ceiling it's rounded so it looks like the sky even though you're in inside Uh and and it changes from day to night you know as it changes from day to night and so you know the sky has clouds on it and it Mm -hmm. looks beautiful it's the same way at the venetian well that's what the 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 entryway was painted at this house and so i was telling bobby when i picked him up i was like Bobby, this house like Tony <laughs> Montana's house. And he's like, who the hell's Tony Montana? Oh, you know, uh, H- Hannah Montana's dad. <laughs> right. So I was explaining that, like, oh yeah, Tony Montana, you know, and that whole whole thing. So yeah, it's been on my mind recently. Um ah, so, yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Now I I haven't seen that movie in forever. And yeah. uh it's probably it's probably worth the time. It may it may be a little dated, but but I think it's it's you know I may have to may have to pull that out. But yeah, yeah, well, you it, know, has, it has a Marvel connection, right? Scarface. Yeah. How Michelle so? Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer. What, was... what what is this like? Kevin Bacon? Like how many steps <laughs> removed? Well, no, but I was who just cares? thinking to myself. I was like, who was that really hot? Scarface is like uh, Tony Montana's younger. Yeah, sister. Michelle Pfeiffer. No, no, his younger sister was Mary Elizabeth Mastrin Tono. Oh. she was in make the abyss remember mm-hmm. that one you know yeah, oh, yeah. drown herself yeah yeah well michelle pfeiffer was his love interest tony montana's love interest. yeah that elvira one of, one of her first films wasn't it elvira who her name was i think so elvira was that her name in the movie elvira hancock <laughs> <Don't know. laughs> that's that sounds like a made-up name right that there. that sounds made up right there so uh, well you know she was fictional 
yeah a lot of talent in that movie so uh-huh good movie yeah you know uh another great quote from that movie and i i forgot that it was from this movie now now maybe maybe it wasn't originally from this movie maybe this is something that has been around for a long time and i just wasn't aware but i love the quote every day above ground is a good day that is a good quote i don't it's it's it was in that movie and it's being attributed to that movie i don't know if it's been around longer than that could could be but but uh yeah there's that's where my mom got it you know my mom she had a stroke in 1990 uh 1994 and Mm -hmm. a couple years after her stroke she wrote you know she used to get a christmas card every year and in the christmas card she wrote thank god i'm still vertical ah (laughs) nice (laughs) So that's, I think that's a derivative of, uh, you know, every day above ground is a good day. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, I got nothing else there, Bob. I don't have a, somehow it, it circles back to, well, okay. Of course it does. I mean, when did the movie come out, Bob? 1983. It did indeed. And, and Bob, today we are covering Captain America 285, which came out, of course, in <laughs> 1983. Right. Great year. It was. It that was, was a, a banner year for me. A banner, oh. the best, the best of my high school years, right there. Oh yeah. What was yeah. her name? There were, yeah. <laughs> <Beep>. <laughs> She's still not talking to me. Oh, well, you know, I'm sure. Uh, I'm not going to go monkey. there. I'm not going to go there. But yeah, the uh, yeah. So this is Captain America 285. Um, came out in it. Actually came out, release date was May 31st of 1983. The cover date was September of 1983. Now, Scarface didn't come out until a couple months later. But, you know, Bob, one of those things that I do, because, you know, I'm always trying to come up with a different hello. And sometimes I, you know, I do quotes from movies and TV shows and songs and things like that. And I have a little list here in front of me, Bob. Mm-hmm. See this ah. list? and you'll see a a lot of them are crossed out Uh right but some of them aren't and um these were some like ideas that just popped in my head because something that tied in with the word hello right and so i wrote down say hello to my little friend right and i put 1983 this is the first time we've done a 1983 comic where i could just go do them go to my list and go yeah booyah yeah. Easy peasy. Right. Because sometimes I spent way too much time trying to come up with the right hello for you, as you have witnessed. But this one was easy peasy. Now, if I have I have something I have I have hellos here for 1967, 1991, well, Easy peasy, going right to my comics list. Comics from those years. I just wrote those down, so now I know. Now I know what to target. Excellent. I want to make it easy on you. They were all right, Bob. I'm going to let the listeners think about this. If we were wow. to do it one year from now, 1984. Okay, I have not one, but two songs that I would quote from. Oh my God! Two songs in 1984. I'm I'm not going to I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to confirm nor deny. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let people just think about it. And then when we do a night staring at the ceiling tonight. And then when when we do a 1984 song, I'll whip one of them out. 
All right. All right. This is going to rack. I'm going to be racking my brain tonight on this one. Thank oh, you yeah? for a, a, a sleepless night. All right. And it has something to do with a greeting. Yeah, of course. Of course. Right. Yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Now, <laughs> I, I have a, I, I, you know what? I just want to talk about uh, the Facebook group. Mm. Uh, Captain America comic book fans Facebook group. Uh, if listeners, if you haven't been there, I've already mentioned this a million times. You need to check it out. It's just, it's a fun trip down memory lane. We keep it positive. It's like the best thing on Facebook that you will do today. And um, there was uh, several posts today, several, several, several posts. But the one that I, I, I really got a kick out of was uh, there was one by a guy named of uh, Brian marlet and he posted that uh he ordered um some caps on ebay well actually not ordered i think it was an auction oh right i remember this one yeah and so he said so i was only missing two caps from the 200s i was able to win 230 in an ebay auction that left only issue 241 so today i received 230 now 230 is the one uh, where the Hulk is, you know, you see the Hulk's fist coming down on Cap's right. shield, yeah. mm-hmm. right? And it says, enter the Hulk. Classic cover. Yeah. Right? Uh, 241 is probably a more expensive comic. And that's the one mm-hmm. where um, it's done by Frank Miller and it's the Punisher right. on the rooftop with his Classic foot. cover on top of cap's shield with his gun pointed at cap's chest. Um, so he, he got the two thirty. all he's left was two forty one, which is pretty impressive considering, you know, out of, out of a hundred issues. Right. Um, so he said, so today I received two thirty in the mail with a bonus comic. I flipped it over and lo and behold, it was two forty one. What? I know. Isn't that crazy? So I'm thinking maybe, he said something to the to the guy when he went and paid him. You yeah. know, like, hey, that only leaves 241. I'm really excited. Thank you very much. Or something, you know, I don't know. That's awesome. Turns out, no. Turns out he someone asked him, how did did how did he know? And the guy says, and and Brian says, I have no idea. So it was like a a, a chance, it's a, like it's it was a just a miracle. Right, right. But in January. Exactly. It's an orthodox Christmas miracle. <laughs> so I don't know. I stories like that, you know, in our Facebook group, I love those stories. And so thanks, Brian, for coming on the group mm. and sharing that, you know, that special thing. Like, you know, a lot of us order stuff and you know, we don't give it a second thought. Um yeah. and you know, not everybody has a cool story like that. Some people no. just get their stuff and they're like so excited and they put it on the Facebook group, which I love those as well. Yeah. Um so anyway. Check out the Facebook group and, um, you know, take a trip down memory lane. It's fun. The great thing about the group is I, I love that we celebrate each other's little victories, right? Sometimes sometimes they're big victories, you know, and sometimes they're just little victories, but they all matter, right? And, mm-hmm. and I love that about the group is that uh, everybody just celebrates those victories. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I got I got a funny story for you, Bob. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This past weekend, uh, my wife and I went over to another couple's house and, um, you know, have dinner and play cards. We play this game. It's called Oh Hell. And I was taught this game, I don't know, like 20 years ago. And I'm addicted to this game. It's a strategy game. I love this game. I play it like on my phone. I play it with my kids. Every couple that we hang out with has learned to love this game and play it with us. Um, and it's one of those games where you can just like, you know, you sit around the table, you have a couple of drinks, you, and you talk, you chat, you know what I mean? It's just a fun way to, to pass a night. So I say all that, uh, because I got, and I'm showing you Bob here on the camera, a deck of cards right. for Christmas. This okay. was in my stocking. Yeah. Okay. Uh -huh. Now, Bob, I had this deck of cards. You know what I did? I put it with my other deck of Captain America cards sitting on my shelf with my Captain America collectibles. Yeah. Because I know that's what you would do. Right. Right. Yeah. And Megan, my wife, uh, when we went to go do something, so play with cards, she's like, well, why don't you get the Captain America cards out? I'm like, well, because they're cellophane <laughs> and they're in a box and I just want to leave them there. And she's like, oh, they weren't expensive. They're not collectibles. Just, you know, we'll play with them. Okay. So we go over <laughs> to this couple's house and uh, I bring my notebook and my pencil because I'm usually at the scorekeeper. And, uh, and would it surprise you, Bob, that I organize things? No, it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and I bring my Captain America cards. So we get there. I rip off the cellophane. I take out the Ooh, cards. Yeah. And I, and you know, I've learned when going to a casino, the way you, you take a new deck of cards, you have to like, just put them out there and you just spread them all around and you just push them around, push them around, push them around mm -hmm. before you shuffle. Right. And I go through all that. I get the cards and I, sh you know, and I go to deal them. My wife looks at the cards. She goes, Oh yeah, we can't play with those. Those are really hard to read. <laughs> what do you mean they're hard to read? Well, I mean, like the hearts and the spades and uh -huh. you know, everything they're, they're, they're you know, tiny. they're red and black and they're on these, Yeah. you know, so like, see, they're just, you know, they're oh. not easy to see. Oh, like if right, you're throwing yeah. into the middle yeah. of the table and right. you have to follow a suit, you need to be yeah. able to, everybody should quickly, easily be yeah. able to see them. Got it. Right. And these are not that. Yeah. Yeah. So now Bob. I have an open deck of Captain America cards Worthless. that I'm not using. <laughs> I would have stopped at, uh, I would have found a reason to stop at a 7-Eleven, a little peach, a Circle K on the way. And... Oh, I have other decks of cards in the house, Bob. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, you were bullied into bringing those and opening them. I'm uh, I know. Yeah. Would you, do you have a favorite card game, Bob? I don't. I'm not a real big card player. Yeah. I I'm know. sorry, Bob. We can't be friends. I know. I've, I I saw that coming. I saw that coming. My wife is. She's she and, and Bobby, my son, they'll play cards together. 
I'm, I'm just not a, I'm not a games person. You don't really like the activity? Not. You don't like a challenge? I don't. I don't. I'm not the least bit interested in it. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I don't watch sports either. So, so Bob, if, 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 if I was to come down to Florida and uh-huh. hang out with you for a weekend, what would we do? I'd, make, I'd take you outside and make you walk around alligators. <laughs> Go look at birds. And, you um, know, sightseeing is one of my least favorite things to do. Oh, is it? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I am not a sightseer. Yeah. Yeah. So that, yeah, I, uh, I, I kind of, I enjoy that. I enjoy the outside, you know, and. But what, what would we do together? Yeah, that's what you would do. I, <laughs> <laughs> I would walk around. I would follow you around. Right. Follow me around. Yeah. I'd be watching Bob, <laughs> watching yes. other things. Yes. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure. Yeah. We'd end up having uh, play cards because my, as I said, my wife, she, she does. And when we go over, I tell you, when we go over to her, the in-laws they uh-huh. play cards and, and I just sit there and chat with them because I, I you don't participate with your, your no yeah. you just sit at the table and don't participate I don't play the card game right yeah, yeah. how could what yeah. yeah that's crazy I know isn't it it's it, but uh, they know I, I don't enjoy I, I don't enjoy cards Everything, so I would I, I, I would come and swimming. hang out what yeah hate water so <laughs> I know it was weird I was in the marines so, well, maybe is that why you hate water? That could be. That could be. I had to learn to. Uh, no, I, there's a there's a good reason why I dislike water, but um, but yeah. So it was a bit of a, a bit of a struggle for me when I was in college. I had to. I took a swim course because I had to pass the swim qualification to uh-huh. to be a marine officer, so or to be a marine, for that matter. So that was a challenge. So, but uh, I like you know I like sitting near the water, but I'm not really into the whole water thing. Yeah, I, I probably enjoy sitting near the water more than being in the water. I, I would probably go with that. Yeah. Who wants sand in the trunks? Yeah, who does, right? Exactly. Salty sand at that. Mm-hmm. Speaking of trunks, Bob, guess what I'm wearing today? <laughs> oh, yes. I, you did mention that you were going to to, to raise that issue. Yeah. Yes, yes your Christmas boxers. I am. I've got yeah. America's ass right now. All right. <laughs> I am wearing my uh, my my Christmas Captain America boxers. Now, here's the funny part. You ready for this? Yeah. Uh, so I went into the office today, and I like to go to the gym. You know, at at my at my work, we have a gym. Nice. So I go in the morning, and work out before I I head into the office, and I knew because we were recording today that I was going to wear my Captain America boxers. I purposely made sure (laughs) when I was in the locker room, no one else was around when I went to put those on (laughs) (laughs) because I didn't want anyone from work to know. See folks, that is the level of commitment Rick brings to his game. Mm Mm-hmm. And we're all grateful for it. Yeah. I'm sure everyone at home now is like, <laughs> thanks. I didn't need to think about that. And I, I was telling, I was telling Megan last night, I was like, when I was packing my gym bag and I was like, oh yeah, I, I really hope no one's going to be around tomorrow when I go to put these on. She's like, well, well, why don't you just put them on after work when you get home? And I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> Why would I do that? Yeah. Like, like, 
Now it's crazy talk. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, you are fully garbed then for the event tonight. Exactly. All right. Should we get to the comic, Bob? Yeah. There let's is do a this. comic, right? We got a there comic to cover. Yeah, this is a good one too. It is. Wow. And and the reason we we picked this one, because tomorrow, if you're listening to this on the day it comes out, which is uh, Wednesday, January 25th, um, tomorrow would will be Sal Basema's birthday. And you want to take a, a guess on uh, how old Sal's turning tomorrow? Gosh, I have no idea. Would it be somewhere in the 90s, late 90s? Oh, no, not that quite yet. He is getting close, though, 87. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. He was born January 26, 1936. Okay. Yeah, so he uh, it's his birthday tomorrow. So we thought we should do a Sal Basema comic. And right now, Bob, we are going to be doing the last Sal Basema Captain America comic. Because he... He came on to Cap, um, you know, he, he, he was with Steve Englehart um, early in his career where he did, uh, launched the Defenders. And when was that? Was that like, that was like early 70s. I want to say like mm-hmm. 1972 maybe. Yeah, I think around there. Yeah. And they, um, you know, they launched that and worked on that together. Then like shortly thereafter, they, uh, they, they both, you know, were doing Captain America. Now, Sal actually joined Captain America, I think, before Steve for a little bit. Um, he was um, he he was penciling uh, issues one forty six through one eighty one, with the exception of like one comic. So like that run one forty six to one eighty one, which is a really long run. Um, you know, he just he missed one comic. Then he did one eighty five, one eighty eight. And then he had a nice long run of came back after Kirby. He did 218 through 237 with the exception of, of one comic. And then he came back and he did 284 and 285 as kind of fill-ins for Mike Zek. Uh, and I can't remember why. I don't know if this was, was Mike just, you know, getting into secret wars at this time uh, because he, Mike did have, he did come back and do 286, 287, 288, and 289, which was the the four-part Deathlock story. And um, so I think maybe, yeah, I don't know, maybe he needed a, uh, something to do Secret Wars, why he didn't do these two issues. I'm not sure. I can't remember. But Sal, Sal Basema, you know, came back and did these, these 284 and 285. Um, and so here we are. With issue 285, the very last Sal Buscema full Captain America issue. Well, I love a little Sal Buscema because in my mind, you know, he, he, although I didn't, I didn't grow up, you know, uh, reading Cap comics during, during Sal's era necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the ones that I saw in the, you know, in the short boxes and the long boxes at the comic book store at the mm-hmm. time. So, you know, it's like baby geese, Rick, right? Uh, when baby geese are born, they look to their mom. But if their mom's not there and a human is there as a surrogate, they will, um, they will look to that human as a, as a surrogate mom. And that mom or dad, in, in the case, I don't know if you remember that movie, um, 
that sort of explored this, but that that human will impress upon them. And so they'll be bonded, right? And for life, life. Uh, and it's, I think the same sort of thing happened to me when I saw you know, Sal's work in the long boxes and short boxes at that comic book store that I started going to in sixth, you know, in seventh grade. Uh, it was Sal's work that impressed upon me. So when I think of what, what Cap should look like, it, it's Sal's work. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's fair enough. I, yeah. I think we're all like that, right? I yeah, think we we're all, all like that. You know, have our favorite Cap artists from our youth and everything else is compared to that. Yeah, we're all baby geese in some way. <laughs> you, impress, you impress me, Bob. Uh, so, yeah, so we thought we would do Sal Basima's birthday and celebrate with this issue. Um, it is the creators on this one. Um, J.M. Damateus is the writer and uh, one of my all-time favorite cap writers. Mm-hmm. Um, love his characterization of Steve. Um Sal had for a long time was uh, inking his own work. Um, but in this particular issue, there's a Kim DeMulder who's inking. Uh, and then, then you have legendary colorist, Bob Sharon, um, who is a friend of the show um, and letterer Deanna Albers and the editor, Bob, Mark Grunewald. It's a great team right there. Yeah. It's an all-star cast. Yeah. Do you want to hear the solicitation for this sure issue, do, Bob? Rick. I sure do. One of Cap's sharpest opponents, the Porcupine, returns. And we also learn the outcome of the Patriots losing battle with cancer. Did you see what they did there, Bob? I did. I like that. I like yeah, that. I had a little, I had, I snickered to myself. I was yeah. on mute, so, you know, didn't hear it, but, uh, but I did. I, I, it was a little bit of a giggle slash snicker. Yeah. Did you? Yeah. Uh, did you get the point? Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, it just keeps going. Oh, oh I love it. Uh, I also love me some Jeff Mace, the Patriot. I so, know. I know. Exciting. And uh, you know what? Uh, we're going to, yeah, we're going to, we're going to talk a little bit about Jeff, Jeff Mace in this, right. uh, in this, when we get done redoing this comic. Let's do it. Take us through the cover, Bob. Uh, it's a cool cover. I'd like to to hear your take on it. Yeah, it is a cool cover, right? Because uh, it's it's one of those perspectives that is a, a little bit jarring. We're looking from really the ground up, right? And it's a kind of a close-up. We see Cap falling toward the ground. And above him, standing on a silo, is is the porcupine himself shooting his, uh, his darts at Cap as Cap lifts his shield, shields on his right hand. Yeah, blocking those uh, porcupine quills as he uh, as he falls to the ground. So it is a it's a great cover. Uh, just you know that perspective really gives you um, you know something unusual, something striking, uh, and of course that that close up of Cap's face mm-hmm. uh, and that look of determination yes. on that, on his face is just is just a classic cover. It really is. I gotta tell you, I uh, as everyone who listens knows Mike Zek's my favorite Captain America artist. And I look at that face and that is quintessential Mike Zek. Yeah. With that jaw, with that mouth, you know, the, the eyes, uh, the brow, you know, his, his cleft on his chin, right. That, that is, you'll get more Mike Zek cap than that grimace right there. I think probably Rick, if, if I dare say, uh, the most recognizable, is probably Kirby, right? You know, when Kirby draws Cap, it's pretty easy to spot a Kirby Cap. 
I think maybe Starenko, you know, he's only done it in a few issues, you know, very, very easy to spot. But I think other than those two, the most recognizable cap is certainly Mike Zach. Yeah, I, 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 I see. I, I could totally get that argument. Mm-hmm. I could totally get the argument about Jack Kirby. I will say me. I sometimes confuse versions of Jack Kirby with John Romita. Really? With. Yeah, sometimes I confuse a little John Romita with Sal. Um, okay, yeah. You know, it depends on the inker, yeah. right? You're right. I, I yeah. sometimes they 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 really do flow, like um, I mean, heck, I mean, I I've seen some some Gene Colon that could pass for Kirby in the face, mm-hmm. you know, like if yeah. he did a bust of uh, of so on. So, you know, there are certainly some ones that you see that you go, that's definitely Kirby. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I, yeah, there, there, there are certain artists out there that you just, you'd look at and you go, mm, unmistakable. Yeah. That unmistakable. is, right. yeah, totally. And, and Zach, Zach is totally one of them. You know, he, he does the same thing with, uh, you know, the Punisher, right? Yeah. 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 And I love, and, and, and it's interesting because everybody has a different perspective on, on this. Right. And, and I never looked at this as cap falling. I looked at it as cap running. Because he's got his his one leg in front of him and one leg behind him, huh. and you know he's he's leaning while he runs, which is also a very Zek thing. Zek Zek always has the characters leaning when they run, uh, and I remember talking about that when we were covering Captain America Annual Number Eight and the way that he had Wolverine leaning forward when he was running. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had that perspective. Remember that when we talked about like the, you saw the bottom of Wolverine's boot when he was in the woods yeah. early on in that yeah. issue, right? Yeah. So I always look at it, this as him just kind of leaning, running, dodging. I didn't see it as falling. So it's interesting that you you pointed that out. It is interesting. You know, and it, I, I have to say, as much as I like this cover, it does seem as if um, the background maybe was drawn in after the characters were drawn in, right? So the, 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 the positioning of it, like even porcupine, like where he's standing mm-hmm. in, in, in the perspective of cap, if in fact he's running, uh, it doesn't really jive with uh, how the background was drawn, but the, but the background itself is stunning in the yeah. level of detail. Yeah, this is a, I actually knew the owner of this cover, um, the original art on this cover, and he sold this. I, 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 you know, I made him an offer. was, obviously too low, you know, um, and he ended up selling this cover sometime in 2022, late 2022, uh, to a private collector. And, uh, I won't say how much, but it went for a pretty dollar. Yeah. 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 It's a cool cover. I like that. Do you, when you talk about me, do you describe me as a private collector? I like, (laughs) I just like the way that sounds. A private collector. Aren't we all private oh, we collectors, are. Bob? Aren't we all, yeah. yeah I'm not doing are. it for the public good. Yeah. That's true. Right. Um, and then on the cover it says, Would you believe? Dash dash the porcupine? Question mark, exclamation point. Um, so we haven't seen the porcupine in quite some time. So, Bob, this porcupine is the original. It's Alexander Gentry. Now, Alexander Gentry 
he goes back a, a long ways. He was actually introduced back in 1963. So he's been around for 20 years. Yet, this is only his 18th appearance. So he's been around 20 years, yet this is he's he's only been in 17 other appearances prior to this one. He 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 debuted in Tales to Astonish, number 48. Um, then he was in number 53. He was in the FF annual, number three. It came out in 1965. Then he was in a couple issues of X-Men in the 66. Then he he made his debut or in the Captain America comics with issue 130 in 1970. Came back 28 issues later in 1973 with 158 and 159. Then he was in like six issues of the Defenders um, in 1976 and 1978. Um, there was an Avengers story and a couple Iron Mans in there. And then now he he's back. So, you know, I, it's interesting. And he, you know, he had been around for like four years at this point. Um so to me, it's interesting, like, did De Mateus, knowing he was doing this story with Sal Basima, who worked on the Defenders, uh, you know, was was it like, you know, I'm going to bring this character because I know Sal's doing. I don't know. That's an interesting that's an interesting uh, hypothesis you have there, Rick. We'll never know. Well, I mean, never. we could know. We could just ask J.M. We could ask J.M. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's around. He's uh he's he's on Facebook. He's easy to find. All right. So we get to the opening splash page, Bob. And the title to this one is Captain America Letting Go. And we have a uniformed Captain America in the middle of the day. And he is running down a sidewalk in an inner city assuming New York and the pedestrians are all like staring at him, but he has a very determined look on his face and the captions read portrait of a determined man. He is captain America. And even the jaded pedestrians that crowd this New York city street cannot help, but be awed by his presence among them. Yet the man behind the blue cow does not even note, the dropping jaws and widening eyes, the muttered oaths and trembling hands. His eyes are locked upon some invisible goal, his mind set to some unknowable task. We cut to the next page, and it is Cap, uh, you know, running through the, the alleyways, right? He's going around the corner, he's jumping a fence, Every movement of his powerful frame is as purposeful as it is graceful, as unyielding as it is elegant. One glance at this red, white, and blue garbed whirlwind makes it clear to any observer that he is on a mission of utmost importance and that he will permit nothing to stand in his way. Now, that little pause there actually took a few frames where I said, let nothing right so he's running and you would that first frame leads you to believe that he is charging to these these two gunmen that are coming out of a delicatessen and they're firing their gun into the air and you're like oh well, that's what he was charging towards right 
but nope. Sal draws him running and he doesn't even look in their direction, but he tosses his shield that hits both of them making noises, Bob. And then it comes back to his hand and again, never even looking in their direction, never even looking at the shield. He just automatically knows it's going to end up where he is. And he puts his hand out and he catches it. Pretty cool, right? That is one of the best four panel sequences uh, I've seen in a, in a long time. Just, just the idea that he doesn't even give them a second thought. He knows exactly where that shield's going and mm-hmm. it's coming right back to him. And the business is taken care of and he's on his way without even missing a beat. Yeah, is that going on your uh, T-shirt, Bob? I don't know. That's a beautifully, it's a beautifully rendered sequence, right? And Mm -hmm. all the more simply because of of what it says about his capabilities. Exactly. So then the, uh, I guess the the owner, manager of the delicatessen and maybe his wife, they come out. So, did you see? It was like a miracle. Something less than a miracle, Esther but far more than a man. By the time these words are spoken, America's greatest hero is already blocks away. Traffic screeches to a halt at his coming. Office workers abandon steno pads and typewriters to rush to their windows for a glimpse of the colorful figure most have known only as a legend. And all wonder what dark fate is calling Captain America onward. What new threat to the nation he was sworn to protect is he racing desperately to thwart? And he's jumping over things and jumping over cars. But when the shield slinger finally slows to a stop, it is not outside the hidden lair of some scheming super criminal, but at a luxury apartment building overlooking the East River. And Cap thinks to himself, at last. But up above him, Bob, who's that? It's Nomad. Jack Monroe. Indeed. And for those who don't know who Jack Monroe is, maybe you could tell the listeners who they, who he is. Right, right. So Jack Monroe is uh, one half of the team of the 1950s uh, cap, William Burnside and, and Bucky. Uh, and if you recall uh, from the retcon, of course, uh, both William and Jack were given a somewhat less ideal version of the super soldier serum that hadn't quite been perfected lacked the vital rays, and as a result, it addled their brain, caused them to become quite paranoid. Eventually, they were put into suspended animation uh, and uh, in time uh, brought back out. Um, And uh, William Burnside, unfortunately, was never cured of that affliction, but Jack Monroe was, uh, at least for a time, treated, and Mm -hmm. it seemed that 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 madness had, uh, had gone away. And of course, like like Steve Rogers, he was also a man out of time. And mm-hmm. Steve took him under his wing, uh, mentored him, and he took on the persona of uh, of Nomad. Yep, thank you. That's a, that's a really good recap. And and he was actually reintroduced. I want to say it was just a few issues ago in two eighty one, uh, where he showed up on on Steve's doorsteps, and. Um, basically explained who he was. Um, And then I think the very next issue, 282, uh, Steve gave him his old nomad costume 
that he wore back in the day when he took a little respite from being Captain America and his he was a little disillusioned with America at the time and he he became the character known as Nomad. So he gave him the Nomad costume. And then it was I think uh in two, 282, 283, uh that uh, there was a the whole uh, Viper affair, right? Where she was trying to like, I guess, poison the water or something like that. And with the hot air balloons, remember that? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so he, he'd really only been in Cap's life for like five issues and only as Nomad, you know, a few of those. So yeah, we are, we are seeing a, a early version of that. Yeah. So he's on the rooftop looking down Cap going into that, that apartment building. Well, <sighs> there he goes. And none too soon. I almost kill myself keeping up with him. And why? Because he's become my my red, white, and blue security blanket. <sighs> if Cap knew I was trailing him around like some scared kid trailing his mommy, he'd probably think I flipped. And maybe he'd be right. I mean, here I am decked out in this costume, ready to start life over as New York's newest superhero. And I'm too scared to walk down the street without a star-spangled escort. I may be the man called Nomad on the outside, but inside, I'm still dumb old Bucky, boy's sidekick. And he, he's walking around on the rooftop, and he, he goes and he kicks off an antenna, Bob. Yeah, and that's a big deal back it in is. 19, you know, 83. Right? Yeah. There's a lot of folks sitting in their living rooms right there going, what the hell? What happened to my soaps? <laughs> Where's my story? Yeah. When I was working with the cap of the 1950s, I thought I was on top of the world. Then the super soldier serum we took started twisting our minds. The government stuck us in a cryogenic freeze for a couple of decades, and everything just fell apart. Since they took me off ice and cured me, the original Captain America has been the only one I could turn to, my only link to the modern America. Without him, I don't know what I'd... Hey. What's that? And he turns his head. And what is it, Bob? It, it appears to be a, a small sort it looks like a these days we take drones for granted, but back then, you know, seeing a drone in the air, and that's what this looks like. Some sort of small torpedo looking air drone. Yeah. It's green. It's got wings on it and it's got a antenna. Why do I get the sneaking feeling little gadgets like that baby aren't commonplace in nineteen eighty three? That's a, that's a really dated comment, right? I mean, it is. isn't that weird? I mean, it's yeah. like 40 years ago, Bob. Yeah, right. You know? and It is commonplace now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's delivering your Amazon package or your pizza. <laughs> yeah, right? Right. Yeah, they're in your living room right now. Well, you look where it's headed, straight for the building Cap went into. And I'll just bet that apartment it's parked itself outside of is exactly where Cap is now. And so we'll use that to cut into that apartment. And we see a doctor with his white long coat and his stethoscope around his neck to uh, signify that he is a doctor talking to Cap. Thank you for responding so quickly, Captain. As soon as Avengers Mansion forwarded your message, Dr. Hammer, I came right over. Can I see him now? They enter an adjoining bedroom where a 
sallow-skinned old man lies sleeping, his breath so shallow as to be unnoticeable. Yet the vibrant ghost of another era seems to hover over his bed. And, and what is that a picture of, of hovering over this old man, Bob? It is indeed the Patriot, the Golden Age hero. So tell the listeners a little bit about the Patriot. Who who uh, was the Patriot? All right. So of course the Patriot was Jeff Mace, and 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 the Patriot was one of those uh, early Golden Age heroes. He 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 uh, debuted in uh, Human Torch number four. Appeared in in several stories, both in the Human Torch books as well as in Marvel Mystery Comics. And uh, and was prolific. He was a crime fighter. Uh, he was also a, a news reporter, uh, Jeff Mace. And then, of course, you know, with the retcon that occurred in uh, in What If number four, and later in Captain America Annual number six, we learned that it was the Patriot Jeff Mace who became the third Captain America when the second Captain America, William Naslin, was was killed by the android uh, Adam Adam two. So, um, so what we're seeing here is his original incarnation as the Patriot. Nice. Yep. And we'll get a little bit more into that after we're done with the comic. He looks so still, doctor. Is he? No, he's not dead, but he hasn't long. The cancer will be taking him soon. But he's been calling out for you. He wanted you to be here with him at the end and how much could i refuse such a request from jeff mace from captain america himself now bob when i first read this issue i was like what yeah what are you talking about from uh -huh. captain america himself I, you're captain america explain i i love this panel rick uh and i love it because well you know as we talked about jeff mace became the third Captain America after William Naslin's passing. And as you know, in, in uh, we, we see this unfold in, uh, in what if number four, where Cap uh, and Jeff Mace have an opportunity to work together. And of course, in annual number six, right, we see the full uh, flowering of this story where all the Captain America's uh, stories are told. And we, we see the relationship with each other. But what I love about this panel is the humility. Right. And this is something that we've seen from Steve Rogers before, where he never he never blinks. Right. He doesn't pause. He doesn't hesitate when Sam Wilson takes over his cap or Bucky Barnes takes over his cap. He does not flinch from that. Right. It, it's not mm -hmm. a blow to his ego. And he embraces it and accepts it and gives credit where credit's due. And this panel encapsulates that humility in, in, in that single word balloon. Bob, I'm looking at the what would Cap do challenge coin right here. One side we have the shield, one side it says what would Cap do. Both sides have a ring of four attributes to Cap's personality, what makes him, right. what makes Steve, Steve. And this top one here, humility. Yeah. Rick, yeah. have you ever, let me ask you this. Let me ask mm -hmm. the listeners this, right? Have you ever been in a job where you took over from somebody mm -hmm. and there was always a little bit of, I want to make sure that people know that I'm doing this job better than the guy before me. I, I want to be acknowledged and recognized for 
know, for being better at this job than the person. I'm that way. I got to admit it. I, you know, it's, it, there's a little bit of ego in me that like, you know, I'm in a new job now and been in that job for, I don't know, eight months or so. And, and I wanted, I want people to know, and, and if, even if they don't say it, I want it understood by them that, mm -hmm. oh yeah, he's, he's better than his predecessor. I, I hear you. Yeah. And I, and I, I think, you know, I, I can't nature. think. Yeah, I, I, it's human nature. I, I can't think of uh, something specifically at a job where I've done that. I don't, I don't know, but I'm sure that I've been that way in other things in my life. Yeah, I think it's um, an internal disposition. It's yeah. not external, right? But I don't think uh, Steve Rogers, what he is, what he is showing here is that he doesn't carry that weight of that that piece of ego, right? Mm -hmm. He's not in competition with Jeff Mace, right? Yeah. And and so, you know, the young Rick, when he first read this, was like, what? What is Cap talking about? Captain America himself. And then it reads. Is it is it is it Farago? Farago. Yeah. What the hell's a Farago? Farago is a confused mixture. How do you know that? Huh? Because I looked it up when I read the comic, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> and you think I don't do research. <laughs> uh, just along for the ride. Yeah. I looked up Farago. <laughs> I was like, isn't that isn't well, that a city town of North, in Spain? <laughs> I thought it was a city of North Dakota. It was it South Dakota? I don't know. One of the Dakotas. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was a good movie. A farrago of memories explode in the shield slinger's mind. And then the next panel, we see flashbacks of the Patriot during World War II. Memories of the early days of his career, when the Nazi menace threatened America's security from within and without. And a new breed of hero rose up to meet the challenge. One of them was spy smasher Jeff Mace, the Patriot, whose career had been inspired by Cap's own. After Cap had been lost, presumed dead, during the final days of the war, another man stepped forward to ensure that the legend of Captain America lived on. When he met his death, fighting alongside the invaders, the Patriot took up the Scarlet Gauntlet and did the legend proud. And uh, you're referring to uh, the, that issue of What If Number 4 that you had mentioned before. We have to cover that someday, Bob. Yeah, we certainly do. That's a, that is, that, I mean... I think lots of folks, lots of folks really love that, that comic, you know, and particularly cap fans. There's, there's something about it that, uh, um, that they, they, it, it, it because it, it ties so many things together. Right. And, and then it opens up again, all these possibilities, which we see unfold in, in places like the invaders series. So definitely it's gotta be on our list. Yeah. Cause we, we covered uh what if five, what if Cap and Bucky had lived? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we we definitely needed to cover number four. And then the next panel we see, but time and obscurity soon claimed Jeff Mace until fate in the form of the mysterious Mr. Buddha rejoined all the men who had ever worn the uniform of Captain America. And that was in the Cap Annual number six. It came out the year before that you had just mentioned. We should probably cover that too, Bob. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. We should cover that one. It was then that Cap learned Jeff Mace was fighting a losing battle with cancer, a battle that, at long last, is coming to an end. 
I suggest we let him rest for now, Captain. It's so rare that he has a few hours without pain. Doctor, there are some personal matters I have to take care of. Do you think that, of course, he could remain this way for some time? I'll be sure to contact you when he needs you. And just then, that drone that was outside the window scoots away. Shoosh! And we see Nomad. Wow, whatever that gizmo is, it seemed to have gotten the information it needed. But who sent it and why? Well, Nomad, there's only one way you're going to find out. Face it, kiddo. This is your big chance to prove to Cap and to yourself that you're more than just a useless relic. So don't screw up. And he goes hopping over the buildings. The Flatbush section of Brooklyn. It's just another abandoned tenement in a neighborhood deeply scarred by such monuments to neglect. But behind these boarded-up windows, you'll find no junkies sitting huddled in shadows, no homeless families trying to mold a life from filth and decay. No, here you'll find something far less pathetic and far more sinister. For this is the headquarters of former Army weapons designer Alex Gentry, the pernicious Porcupine. Did I say that right, Pernicious? Yeah, that was okay. nicely done. Oh, thank you. I can assure you, number 43, that my redesigned porcupine suit is now more than ever what it was originally intended to be. The perfect battle suit. The apogee and personal weaponry. So you say, Gentry. But we of the reborn secret empire know much better than to take such hollow boasts at face value. If we are to invest in the construction of thousands of such uniforms for our military arm, we must have proof positive. And you shall have your proof. What would you say if I told you I intended to test a suit in combat against the ultimate soldier, the world's greatest fighting machine? Captain America? An interesting project. Succeed, gentry, and we shall talk again. Click. But, ah, uh, the fool, he cut me off. Bah, what do I care about him or any of those secret empire idiots? Let them nurture their grandiose plans of revolution and world conquest. All I want is their money. I once harbored such plans, such dreams. I believed that as the porcupine, I would find riches glory, power. I soon learned the folly of my ways. Now I find myself growing old, but nothing to show for my life's work except a string of humiliating defeats at the hands of a seemingly endless supply of costume do-gooders. So describe <laughs> Porcupine in his, his uh, well, his, his costume. Two things, Rick. One is, yeah, his costume is, uh, it's an interesting costume, right? It's 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 a couple shades of orange and, and dark brick red, and of course around the outside of his arms, around his his uh, his mid to to mid mid thigh down to his ankles, and of course on 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 the top and the back of his head are covered with porcupine quills um, that look exceedingly sharp, right? And he's running into a room that looks to be stocked with three Captain America. Uh, 
well, if this was S.H.I.E.L.D., we'd call them life model decoys, but clearly they're, they're sparring androids of some sort, right? But I got to say, Rick, I, I got to feel for this Alex Gentry, right? I mean, he is definitely at the point of his life. I think we could all, these words can be coming out of any of our mouths at this point on some days, right? You talking about learning the folly of your ways, Bob? Well, yeah, I just you know, like growing old with nothing to show for my life's work except a string of humiliating defeats, right? Aww. Some days seem like that. Oh, Bob. Oh, well, I know, I know, but I think you know it's you know you rarely see a villain, you know, at that point in their life when they're like, "What the hell have I been doing? I had all these grandiose <laughs> plans of power and riches and glory, right?" But like, let's all right, Plan B. Okay, uh, yeah, but his plan B is not that much better, Bob. His plan B is not that much better, but it's a bit more realistic than the prior one, right? He, now he's simply out to like get some cashola so that he can live his retirement in ease, right? So he's he's kind of stepped back from uh, the world domination plans, which I think you know at his age is probably a wise wise decision. But I like that sort of introspection and mm. uh, you know the self realization that like uh, maybe this plan originally wasn't like the best the best laid plans you know bob they do have online therapy now if you want to <laughs> check into that it's very convenient yes you don't find yourself thwarted from on certain days by an endless supply of costume do-gooders it's not no. just me it's Really? No, no, because I, I, I'm oh, not yeah. a ne'er do well, Bob. I, okay. uh, I, I don't have costume do gooders, um, huh. you know, uh, creating follies in my ways. I, I, no, I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. It, it is interesting that this villain has <clears throat> probably read a, a, a one or two self help books, and yeah, yeah, you know, now he's, he's trying to to realize, okay, well, it's it'd be better for me to just build this costume because we've talked about this before right yeah. he was like wait a minute so the trapster has this great device of this glue gun right or whatever yeah. whoever it is yeah. out there and and they, they they have this ability to create they're they're so smart they're able to create these things and then they they knock over a store yeah license it's a 3m right i mean exactly yes get some he could have been like the it could have been the post-it note before post-it notes came out. Hmm. Yeah. I tell you, you know, there was a, a really interesting story miniseries called Secret War. Not wars, war, uh -huh. singular. And it came out, oh gosh, I don't know, mid-2000s. I had my store at the time. I think mm -hmm. I had the store at the time. I don't know if it was new or back issues or whatever. But um, it was written by Brian, Brian Michael Bendis. Who I I just always thought was just an amazing comic book writer, uh, great at dialogue, great at concepts, great at plots, <clears throat> and it was a it was a story about basically I think what happened was a bunch of comic writers got into a room, you know, like they do these annual retreats. Uh -huh. You know, like Marvel will have all the writers and creators and the editors and they get into a room, they do this annual retreat and they just start throwing ideas around and everything, you know, and that's how, you know, um, Civil War came about and right. uh, yeah. Planet Hulk came about, you know, and things like that. Well, I think that's also how Secret War came about because they're basically going like asking the same question that we're asking. Like, you know, here are these guys and they have these the fantastic gizmos that must have cost 
millions of dollars to create. Right. Yeah. Like, where do they get the money to do that? <laughs> right. And like these writers and editors are asking these questions. And so finally they came up with, okay, well, there's this one guy he's supplying them, you know, and it's like the tinkerer, uh -huh. right? Like this other villain, like, you know, whatever. But then who's supplying that villain? Like who's the, who's the, the money and everything behind the yeah. tinkerer who is supplying all of these BC villains with their suits and their weapons and everything like that. Yeah. It's a really cool story. I, yeah. I, I, I recommend people checking out. It's called oh, yeah, Secret I War. I've read it. I, I, it's got it, Nick Fury's in it. Oh well, yeah. You should totally that check that yeah, out. I'll definitely check it out. Yeah. Cause I know you're a big Nick Fury fan yeah. and, uh, and there's caps in it, you know, but he's, he's in, um, it's like a, it's like a black ops uh, cap. Yeah. Right. Like Nick Fury gets together like this black yeah, ops yeah. team. Right. To kind of take out the the source behind all the villains. So it's it's if you really think about it, it's a, it's a great plot. It is it's a great. That sounds like that would be a great MCU TV Disney Plus yeah. series, right? Oh, speaking of which, and uh, sorry, listeners, tangent time again. Um, did you see the the new trailer for uh, Ant Man Quanta Quanta oh, I sure, I sure did. Quantafina Quantatopia Quantamania Quantamania Yeah, there you go. Yeah, sure what'd you did. think? Did I, you see? I, did you did I, you see what I saw? I did. I was riveting. Right. the The whole trailer was great. Yeah, yeah, but, but no. I did. I did see. Yeah, I did see our specific friend, character. Our big headed friend. Yeah, yes. little Modoc. Yeah, yeah, yeah very exciting. Yeah, you didn't know, look course, like anything I thought he would. No, no. Well, not unexpected because we've seen the Funko Pop, right? Um, design. Um, oh, I based, didn't. I didn't see that. Oh, you didn't? Yeah, based no. on the movie. So that 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 um, that's that's out there. That's out there. The the Funko Pop design. So it wasn't unexpected to see uh, you know some um, creative liberties with with the design of of Modoc's helmet. Mm -hmm. It remains to be seen what his face actually looks like. I don't think we've seen a clear shot of that yet, but uh, oh, so, so do you think that was like a face plate over? I front do. Of his... I oh, do. Yeah. That'd be good. I would like to see his face. Yeah, because that would be like really weird looking. That's exciting. That movie looks looks uh, exciting. Looks like an exciting um, not not a I guess not a start, right? I don't know. Or in what phase are we in? In phase four know. or something? Phase I five, think, maybe. Yeah, I have no idea. I think it's a start for the transition from phase four to phase five. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I saw it in like the Facebook groups, you know, the comic book Facebook groups here. It was like, oh, now we got to get the first appearance of Modoc, you know, in right. Tales of Suspense. Yeah. You know, is, is it is it this one, which is the cameo, which shows him on the last panel of the last page? Or is it this one? Is it, which one is his first appearance? You know, it's kind of like the right. whole Wolverine right. 180, 181, right? Yeah. You, you know, I, where do you stand on the whole first appearance of Wolverine? Is it 180? Look, it seems ridiculous or is it 181? to me. It seems to me it should be 180. But, you right? know, I'm just like a practical sort of guy that like if he's in the book and you see him. And it's his full appearance. Like, right. right. You see him in costume, his full body. Right. Right. That's his first appearance. That's the, he do you appears. Know, do yeah. you know, do you know who fights to make sure that 181 is, is the first appearance? People who own 181. <laughs> like uh, that's, that's, right. you yeah. know, they're like, oh, I don't own 180. I own 181 and I paid a lot of money for 181. Damn it. That's the first appearance. Right. Right. Hate yeah, to tell everyone. 
I hate to tell listeners out there. I'm telling. I'm, I'm telling you all right now. 180 is the first appearance. Oh, you laid Wolverine. down the gauntlet. Oh, I'm putting it out there. Yeah, yeah. So therefore, the first appearance of Modoc is. No, I don't have it memorized, but you don't. Yeah, whatever that issue is with the last panel where he his full body is shown. Yeah, that sense. is the full first appearance of. Look, Modoc. and I don't have that issue, but I have the next issue. Oh, do you? Yeah. Okay. It, and but, by the way, that's Modoc accept- with a C. Modoc with a C. Yes. When he originally showed Bob, he was a mental organism designed only for conquest with a C. Ah. And it wasn't until a little later that he was K for killing. They Got changed it, it from yeah. conquest to killing. Right, right. I, I don't recall. It's been a long time since I read those books. Did he change it himself? I don't know. I wonder, I think he, he, he took that moniker on himself. See, when you say moniker, now I'm thinking of Baron Von Strucker. <laughs> right? Modoc would look great with a monocle, but yeah, that would be awesome too. <laughs> a monocle designed only for killing. Hey, wait a minute. Wasn't Porcupine going into a room of a bunch of Captain Americas? <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, sorry, back, James. <laughs> meanwhile, back at the Porcupine's headquarters. So uh, the Porcupine, he's all upset. And he mentioned how, you know, he finds himself growing old. Blah, blah, blah. Hands of seemingly endless superplier to good do cutters. Blah, blah, blah. But no more. With the millions I make selling the designs for my battle suit, I'll turn my back on my career as a second-rate super criminal. Alex Gentry will retire in style. And heaven help anyone who gets in my way. I could have hired some lackey to don the suit and make the final test run. But I've score settled with Captain America and his ilk. And I intend to settle it personally. And he. Now, the first thing he did, he fired some quills, but they weren't just like sharp quills. They like exploded when they hit one of the caps. And then the second time when he said personally, he went up and he used the, the spikes coming out of his arms and he just tore it in half. The porcupine's last stand shall be his most magnificent. And then there was like some sort of electrical shock coming out. And it made a really, really loud noise, Bob. Excellent. Concussion bombs, voltage pack, and razor tip steel quills, all at optimum performance levels. Now to inspect the... Huh? Ah, one of my eye-in-the-sky devices has come home to roost. Here, precious, come to Papa. If only the Ofa shield slinger knew that I have dozens of these little darlings circling the city, scanning for him, monitoring his every move, when the information I've collected has been fed into my computer banks and processed, I'll know when to strike and how to strike. Captain America is as good as dead. But just then, Bob, come busting through the door. And when I say busting through the door, 
It's like Slam! a sham shattering the door into pieces. Yeah. I mean, seriously, they didn't even try the handle. You sure you weren't around in the fifties, pal? Cause you spout the same stupid cliche as the baddies of my day did. The nomad. You know me? I know what my spy eyes have told me. You're new to this city, and I've often been seen in the company of Captain America. Well, give that man a seat. And he punches at him. Bob, would you punch a porcupine? I would not, Rick. Why, why not, Bob? It seems like that would be painful. Yeah, and stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Nomad's been known to be that. And he punches it, and then he's like, Ah! Almost sliced my hand to ribbons on those stinking quills of his. It hurts, doesn't it, boy? But not half as much as this concussion bomb will. And he fires this quill at him. Jeez, this guy's a one-man arsenal. Got to do what Cap would do in this situation. Terrific. I time my leap just right. But what now? Would Cap keep on the defensive or move in for the... And he hits him. And the porcupine hits Nomad. Stop! You're not paying attention, Nomad. That could prove fatal. But thank you so much for dropping by, my friend. I think you'll prove quite useful as he's standing over an unconscious Jack Monroe. Evening in Brooklyn Heights, the moon bathes these streets in a warm, silvery light, and the stars seem to shine with a special brilliance overhead. As if the heavens themselves know that at 569 Lehman Place, this is a night for magic. To us. To us. And there you see hands holding wine glasses, doing a toast, a little clink. He is Steve Rogers, the man behind Captain America's mask. She is Bernadette Rosenthal, Steve's neighbor, friend. And so much more. And they're there next to each other, sitting on the floor, Bob, in front of the couch, sipping some wine. Their relationship has been unfolding for months now, a slow, sometimes painful process, based on much on Steve's fear of commitment as Bernie's open soul determination. But brick by brick, the walls between them have come down. One week ago, the final wall crumbled to dust. Bernie, I can't believe the incredible difference I felt in myself, in us, since... Since you had the guts to tell me you loved me? Yes, as if I'm seeing you for the first time, as if all the feelings that went before were just a prelude to what I'm feeling. You just can't stop making speeches, can you? And she moves in for the kiss. I've had enough words, Steve. I want you. And there are. I have been waiting all week to hear me you to... read that panel. <laughs> I got to tell you, Bob, when I saw that, I was like, <laughs> I don't want to read that. I don't want to read it. I kind of rushed through it, to be honest. You with did. You. you did. It was not as heartfelt as I could. You maybe try it again? Mm. No? Go try it again. Give it another shot. Put a little more, put more in yourself. A little more vulnerability, maybe. Ah. 
just can't stop making speeches, can you? I've had enough words, Steve. I want you. That's the stuff. Yeah, yeah, you like that? Yeah. (laughs) Uh But just then, just then, as they had their arms embraced and their lips locked, we got two friends busting through the door. Wake up, people. The pizza parade's here. That's right. Pepperoni, mushroom, sausage, you name it, we've got it. Mike. Josh. Uh, Michael, my man. Did you get the feeling that we walked through the door at the wrong time? You kidding? You should have seen the crazy stuff I used to walk in on back when Bernie and I were in college. That This lady was kinky. And she gets up, she punches him on the arm. Mike Farrell, you take back those awful lies right now before I deck you. All right, I, I take it back. I take it back. But seriously, gorgeous. Sorry for barging in like this. It's It's been a long time since I've seen you this happy. So why don't Coop and I just duck out the door and not when the pizza smells that so good you don't. But you heard the man sit. 20 minutes of frantic munching later. Now that was money well spent. I'll admit it was good, but the price was a bit steep, wouldn't you say? Why, when I was a boy, you could... Ah, there he goes again. Steve, enough already. Yeah, I guess I do that a lot, don't I? Well, let's see if I can't make more of an effort to concentrate on today and lay yesterday to rest. After all... Oh, be right back. And we see uh, Steve's telephone is ringing. And hey, he's got one of those 1983 phones, Bob, because it's a push button not a uh it's not a rotary it's not a rotary dial yeah this is high this is high tech hello steve rogers here who oh jarvis is this avengers business or has dr hammer called uh and bob there's a little asterisk by the name jarvis Mm -hmm. why why is there what does it say well it's you know it's letting the reader know i'm familiar that uh, jarvis is the avengers live-in butler it's funny they don't have to describe what a butler is. Do you know why? Because everybody reading this has watched the Batman TV show, Batman and Robin, and they 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 know what a butler is largely because of of that. And what was that other show? Do you remember Benson? Uh, no, not Ben. Well, Benson. Yeah, that was about this time. I was thinking of an earlier show from like the late sixties, early seventies with J- Jody and Buffy, right? And they had a, Jody and Buffy. Yeah, do you remember that? No. Uh, what was the name of that show? I'm going to have to look it up. Silver Spoons? No, no. Long before that. Oh, my gosh. Okay. But don't we all know who Jarvis is? Like, do we really need to have family a little affair. asterisk? Oh, a family affair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Do we really need to have an asterisk saying that it's the Avengers live in Butler? I mean, come oh. on, Mark. Mark Gruenwald. Come on. Probably, at this point, probably not. He has indeed, sir, and he spoke only two words. It's time. Nodding, Roger racks the receiver. Well, say that five times fast. Roger (laughs) racks the receiver. Roger racks the receiver. Roger racks the receiver. Then stands for a moment, silent, lost in troubled thoughts. 
thoughts of a yesterday that cannot be laid to rest just yet. I have to go. What's wrong, Steve? You look positively pale. Steve? It's the old friend I told you about, Bernie. He needs me. Without a backward glance, he is gone. You know, he does that a lot, too. And now, just for the listener's reminder, at this point, Bernie knows Steve is Captain America. She found out several issues ago. Right. A couple issues ago, right? Yeah. A couple, couple few. Right. It right. was when... Um, I want to say uh, 76, 276, 277. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. And then we see Cap in a panel on his Captain America motorcycle. And uh, wow, like all the other times, it needs a tune-up, Bob, with all the <laughs> exhaust. exhaust coming yeah. out from behind it. Right, yeah. Then, after a hasty costume change and a stop at his seemingly abandoned warehouse to retrieve his custom-built motorcycle, America's greatest hero lives again. A part of his mind holds fast to the image, the scent, the essence of Bernie. But he pushes those thoughts aside. He is Captain America now. To all intents and purposes, Steve Rogers no longer exists. I got to tell you, Bob, America's greatest hero... Believe it or not, I'm walking on air. <laughs> right? Yeah, I love that show. Oh, that was a great show. William Cat, Robert Culp. Oh, I know. Yeah. Connie yeah. Selica. Yeah. Oh, man. One of my youthful crushes. Yeah, the greatest American hero. Yeah, that came out. You know what? It ran 1981 to 1983. Yeah. 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 Right around this time. Yeah. And you know where my mind goes, Rick? Connie Selica, greatest American hero, Connie Selica. Yeah. She was married to Gilles Girard, Buck Rogers in the 21st century. And who, who, who is Buck Rogers, uh, you know, female interest? Not widget. No. (laughs) uh, Widget, 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 widget. Yeah. What what was that noise that he used to make? Yeah. Uh, hey, Buck. Sorry, Buck. <laughs> I was thinking, of course, of Wilma, Wilma Deering, oh, Aaron Gray. Oh, right? You remember Aaron Gray? So that's how she my mind may. Works. She may have been my first crush. Yeah. A lot of young boys' first crushes. I uh, think Aaron Gray yeah. might have been my first crush. I was ready to like lock myself in the freezer, <laughs> in hopes that I would be awakened in the twenty first century. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I yeah. gotta tell you, I had such a huge crush on, on that, uh, the things man, they William... can do with satin <laughs> and, and you know what? She's just as beautiful as a brunette. Like she didn't have to be a blonde. You You're know right. what I mean? You're right. Totally. Yeah. Uh, loved her on as Wilma on Buck Rogers and then, and then silver spoons. I yeah, I did watch Silver Spoons, but no, uh, I didn't know she was in that. Oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? Wow. Now I'm googling Aaron Gray. Let's see. Uh, Aaron Gray 
she's 73 right now, Bob. She's 20 years older than than us. Yeah, that's that's about right, I guess, right? Is it? Yeah, well, I don't know. If I was in high school, like, well, she she I mean, she would have been in her 30s, right? Yeah, well, yeah. She so when Buck Rogers came out, um, let's see, Buck Rogers came out. In 1979, so she was like 29. Yeah. Okay. That yeah. So she true. was pushing 30. Yeah. And when when she was doing that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was a tangent worth doing. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, she was. In and she was in the movie. I I totally forgot that Buck Rogers was a movie first before it became a TV series. I totally forgot that. I did forget that as well. Yeah, 1970, Buck, 1979, Buck Rogers in the 25th century. And then in 1979 through 1981 was the TV series. And then she was on Silver Spoons 1982 to 1987. So five seasons, she was on Silver Spoons. Huge crush. Yep. Probably my first crush. What were we talking about? I don't know. Some comic. I guess. There is only his duty to America and to an old soldier who had shared his burden and his dream. Then, senses honed to perfection by years of endless battle, snap alert. He hears a distant mechanical click. <laughs> the hyphen almost got me. <laughs> I, I got it. A mechanical, but it goes M E hyphen next page, next, next line, mechanical click. <laughs> I almost, I almost said he hears a distance me. <laughs> I thought it was mechanical, but whatever. Uh, a rush of air drawing closer. And there it is. And uh, now come on. That's not a quill. That's like a, a mini, uh, it's a drone bomb. I guess. Yeah. It, it looks like what, what was the the name of the um the shuttle that we launched into into space like le legitimately? That doesn't look like that. It does. It does look like a little tiny rocket ship. Yeah. Yeah. He's a caps like what in, but he but he he moves his bike in just the right amount of time, Bob, and it makes a noise. Boom. <laughs> Managed to swerve my bike out of the way just in time. But I'm betting that was just the first strike. I've got to pinpoint my attacker's location before there, the hint of movement on that rooftop. I see those eagle eyes of yours have spotted me already, Captain. Very good. But I expect the best of you. Come out of the shadows, whoever you are. Or are you afraid to face me like a man? Oh, I'm coming, Captain. And the porcupine has brought you a gift what's the gift bob oh it's nomad and you know i guess that's what that cape is for because he's he's holding him dangling him over the edge of the building by the cape yeah actually, actually rick i want to ask you a question because you yeah. know uh steve realized that the cape was not such a good idea um wasn't was that not shared with with Jack Monroe, I don't remember if there was a particular instance where Jack said, oh, I'm going with the cape anyway. Yeah, Steve's like, I don't care. <laughs> like, it works It works for you. 
yeah, hey yeah. kid Look, hey you kid from you. the 50s who just showed up <laughs> on my doorstep um yeah whatever i like this next panel because it's it's very i don't know it kind of like a little Starenko vibe to it um because all we see is the upper torso of captain america with his right arm stretched and he's leaning so you don't see his left arm and it's all white behind him and he's looking up at the the top of the building and he's yelling nomad you want him captain then by all means come and get him unless of course you are afraid to face me like a man i got news for you pal the day cretins like you frighten Captain America is the day I lay down this battered old shield and die. And he hops up and he climbs up the building really quickly and he goes over the ledge to the top of the building. Oh, really? I think that could be arranged. And the porcupine throws an unconscious Jack Monroe at Captain America. Nomad's unconscious form is hurled with a casual, albeit forceful, arrogance. The living legend has only seconds to shift his position and check Jack Monroe's precarious flight before both of them tumble back over the roof edge. Unfortunately, those seconds aren't enough. Cap strains forward as if determined to gainsay gravity by sheer force of will. Gravity shows no sign of being impressed. Down the pair plummet toward what should be certain death. But Captain America has made a career of cheating the Reaper, and this encounter is no exception. If he cannot stop their fall, he knows that he can slow it. And so the Sentinel of Liberty twists, grabs, claws against the side of the building until... Not to be confused with wank. <laughs> No, not to be confused at all. So we we and, and we have four panels here of of Cap using his his boot, hitting a winds uh, a window frame, and then reaching with his left hand, which has his shield on it, uh, onto a ledge, and then you know the momentum taking him down, turning, taking his shield, putting it onto the pavement, the sidewalk between him and Nomad. Shield absorbed the brunt of the impact. Aside from a slightly wrenched shoulder, I seem to be all right. But I can't tell if Jack is unconscious, drugged, or worse. I've got to get him to a hospital, too. Uh-oh. And then showing up, uh, coming over the edge of the of the building, flying, flying, because he's got, like, you know, jet boots, is porcupine coming over the edge and then firing quills from his suit that are hitting Cap's shield, making a very loud noise. Boom! Hospital have to wait. This is most delightful. My improved battlesuit makes me veritably unstoppable. I may just tell the Secret Empire to keep their filthy money and go conquer the world for myself. And he fires another quill, but Cap dodges. Secret Empire, eh? I'll be sure to check into that interesting piece of information. After I'm done wiping the floor with you. You missed the point, old friend. The new porcupine can't be beaten. 
I know I can take him down, given the time. But blast it, I don't have that time. Jack is coming around, which is one less worry on my head. But the Patriot needs me. Perhaps more than anyone has ever needed me before. I can't just walk away from this fight. But I can't let Jeff Mace down in the final moments of his life. And we cut to a scene of Jeff Mace laying in, in bed. Cap! You look a trifle distracted, Captain. Very dangerous, you know. That's how I took out your little friend. Jack, of course. Nomad, you've got to get up. As if urged on by Cap's cry, Jack Monroe pushes away the haze of pain in his head and pulls himself to his feet. But with awareness comes with memory of the defeat at the porcupine's hands, and with that memory comes shame. He watches as the man he idolized since childhood fights bravely, perhaps foolishly, against a foe who appears to be indestructible, and he knows he should do something, anything, to help. And then we cut back to Jeff Mace. Cap! But all he can do is stand rooted to the spot, his gut twisted in knots of fear. Nomad, get your tail over here. I need you. Need me? But if you can't stop this maniac, what good'll I do? You're the greatest fighter there is, Cap. Me, I'm nothing. Jack, in the name of heaven, will you please... Ugh. You're right about being a nothing, boy. As for this flag-draped buffoon being the greatest fighter there is, well, maybe he was. Once but the porcupines just grabbed the title for himself. Cap! Why, you dirty, inhuman son of a... And he throws one of his discs and hits him in the head. Whack! You forget how easily I trust you, kid? Or are you just out of your mind? In a way, he is. For as soon as Captain America fell... Something snapped inside Jack Monroe's head. And as he's running, he's catching the disc that he threw in one hand, and he's grabbing a full trash can in another. And he takes that trash can, and he slams it in to Porcupine's head. Gone are all the thoughts of inadequacy, all feelings of shame, all sense of standing in a greater man's shadow. No man's mind is alive with only one brightly burning thought, this rat's going to pay for what he did to Cap. And though his valiant charge is ended with a burst of crackling electrical energy, he has won an important victory this night. Stupid fool. I ought to kill him right now. First, I got to finish off Cap. And he turns his head back to where Cap was laying. Oh, no. Bedtime, porcupine. And it's Cap running towards him, holding his shield above his head with both hands on, on the outside of the shield. Lights out! And he hits Porcupine right into the helmet in his face. And it makes a noise, Bob. Rack! Cap? Yes, Jack? You, you weren't hurt. You were just faking so that... I'm pressed for time, son, so I'll keep it short. 
I knew the only way I could end this fight quickly was if Porky Lion was distracted long enough for me to get a clean shot at the one vulnerable point on his uniform, his mask. I also knew that if I could just get you to stop thinking about yourself for a minute, you could do the job. And you did. Very nicely, I might add. Now, if you'll excuse me, partner, and he runs off. But what about the porcupine? I'll leave him in your very capable hands. Believe me, you can handle it. You know, maybe I can. He has won an important victory this night, and now he knows it. But there is one last battlefield yet to cross. Dr. Hammer, am I too late? Frankly, Captain, you should be. But it's as if Jeff have been forcibly holding on, waiting for you to arrive. Cap, you made it. Of course I did, old soldier. Tell me, Jeff, is there much pain? Are you afraid? And he grabs Jeff's hand. I'm beyond the pain, Cap. Beyond the fear. I'm ready to let go. It's been a good life, a long life, a full life. And I know there are dear friends waiting for me on the other side. And in the background, we see Jeff Mace as the Patriot. And we see him along with other invaders who have passed. But before I move on, Cap, I have to tell you how much you've met. I know, Jeff. I know. And he's holding his hand. But Jeff passes. And the hand falls from Cap's. And the last panel, we have Steve standing over the past Jeff. And he's standing in salute. And he says, goodbye, old soldier. Venice. Was that a good salute, Bob? That was, uh, you know, from, uh, you know, it's obviously the angle is a little bit off and, you know, it's a little bit smallly rendered, but it looks good to me. I have to say, it looks like a good salute. Looks like it's rendered well. So no complaints for me. I know you're a Jeff Mace fan. So tell, tell me what you thought of this story. Yeah, I, I love it. You know, of course he was in the previous issue briefly. Um, but this is where we see his, his, uh, his final appearance, you know? So, um, and I, and I hope that, you know, when people, you know, listen to this podcast or maybe they go back and they read this issue, maybe they're inspired a bit to, um, you know, read a bit more about Jeff Solomon Mace, uh, not only his time as the Patriot, which, which of course in 2010 and 2011, we had the, the, I think it was four issues, right? The Patriot, Captain America, Patriot miniseries by uh kessel and, and uh, brightweiser mm-hmm. yeah which is a phenomenal um series uh, and is and, that I, was that one of the things we put on our 
our 2023 bucket list? Yes, yes. Definitely worth uh, anybody okay, we'll do that. that up and reading it because uh, it really uh, ties together um, what had been presented in What If 4 and Annual Number 6 and um, it ties it all together in a nice package so that um, uh, you get a coherent story and, and you get more details about uh, Jeff Mace's life and his time as Captain America, which, you know, with the retcon, if you go back, back to the golden age now, uh, what his appearances are considered to be from, I think, Captain America comics 59 up until the end of, of the, the original golden age series in 1949 uh, before William Burnside picks up with the retcon in, uh, in 1954. So several issues he's now considered to have been the captain America in those books, as well as uh -huh. in some of the all winners stories. And, and he also appeared in uh, Submariner in blonde phantom and uh, Marvel mystery comics as well as captain America. So uh -huh. he had a long run. If you take the retcon seriously, right. He he's had a, he had a long run as captain America, certainly longer than, than Burnside, certainly longer than Nasland. Uh, I would, I would say, he uh, second to Steve Rogers, he had the longest run in the uniform. Interesting. I, I really, you know, I'm not a big golden age fan, so I, I don't pay too much attention to that as you do. So I kind of rely on your expertise on that. Um, so I didn't know that. I didn't know Jeff Mace would have been like maybe the second most in the, in the uniform. Um, yeah. It was a fun story. You know, I, I think, I, I don't know, maybe, did, did Demetrius, um, you know, Sal came back for like just these two issues, right? And yet it seems like a nod to a lot of stuff that Sal had done earlier with Steve Englehart, mm -hmm. right? You have Jack Monroe, you have, you know, Porcupine, right? right? That was with the Defenders villain, you know, for all those issues that mm -hmm. Sal was, was doing. You know, it's almost like, did he bring Porcupine back for this issue, you know, because he knew Sal was on? I don't know. Um, but it had been kind of fun for Sal to do this 10 years later, you know, yeah. after he brings Jack Monroe, which we didn't know that was Jack. You know, we didn't. Jack Monroe didn't have that name until Dan Mateus gave it to him. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the right. Bucky number two or whatever you yeah. want to call him. Yeah. Um, you know, did, uh, you know. Uh, th this seems like it was a very interesting way to to get uh, this legendary Captain America artist, you know, back on the book. The whole Jeff Mace thing. I mean, uh, I'd be curious. I mean, if we ever get JM back, I, I would love to talk to him about what was the impetus for for using Jeff Mace again in, in this way. I'm sure it was not just random there. There was some thinking, some thought that went on behind this. And I'd, I'd be curious to explore what that was because such an interesting character with such, such a rich golden age history that was uh, made relevant again with, with the retcons. And yeah, I'd love to have the opportunity to talk to him again about that character. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll see if we can make that happen. Our favorite panel, t-shirt worthy and time capsule. Now it is, I want to say you go first for a favorite panel. Do you have a favorite panel on this issue? You know, I, I do. I do, Rick. I most certainly do. So 
if you will page to uh, page 13. Getting there now. All right. And uh, it is, uh, <laughs> you're going to love this one. You're going to make fun of me. But it is that uh, it is that first of the panels at the bottom of the page of Bernie. Steve? Yeah, that's the one. You know, I love the way Sal uh, draws Bernie. Really? Um, I do. I find he draws her in a very appealing way for me. I don't know what it is. I don't know. And this, it looks, it has a very, like, uh, now we see, you know, uh, images like this, graphics like this, has a certain pop art feel. Um, but this was original back then. And, uh, and he drew her in a very different way, I think, than, than other artists. And, uh, and that, that panel in particular, I find really appealing. Ah, so is it the hair? Is it the lips? Is it the yeah. eyes? What is you it? You know, it's it's the whole package, and of course, it's not just it's not just Sal's work. It's obviously the the, the colorists mm. and inking as well, and but it's the whole package for me. I think Ooh. she looks stunning in that panel, and I've always been a big fan of of Bernie. He is the uh, caps. Uh, I like to think he she's a she's a thinking man's woman. And, ah, uh, is that because she's a uh, you want, you know, going to be an attorney? Well, I, you know, it, she, she always has a, a she had a, she, I, I think she was always written, not always, but for the most part written with a, with a certain depth and intellectual mm -hmm. complexity. Uh, and a lot of that, you know, had to do with the way uh, I think Grunewald wrote her and integrated her into to Steve's life. And um, um, in a way that, you know, other love pursuits weren't. But uh, I've, I've always found her very appealing. And this panel is probably the most appealing that I've seen. It's interesting. You, you mentioned Grunewald. See, mm. I now she was introduced with Roger Stern and John Burns run. Right. Yeah. I always thought her height was in J.M. J. Demetrius's run. You yeah. know, their relationship. She learning that, you know, Steve is cap, you know, them taking, you know, to the next level. Because Demetrius was, you know, on, on the book until you know issue three hundred, so we have another seventeen issues after, or right, we have another fifteen issues after this, where their relationship continues to grow. So yeah. it's interesting you, you mentioned Grunwald. What was it well, about Grunwald? Well, that... I think it's you know for me it's it's you know it reaches a peak, and of course you know the personal life of Steve kind of slowly went away, but I think you know I, I the the peak of that relationship as it continued to grow, I think peaked before uh, she eventually went away off to, to law school. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I liked that, but he, and even after she left and went off to law school uh, and when he visited her, you know, there was a, there was a depth and complexity to, to her in a way that I, I just never got from even Sharon, even after all these years, Sharon still strikes me as somewhat of a two-dimensional character. Oh, boy. All right. Well, this is going to be an interesting conversation, Bob, when we get into episode 123. Mm. Now, I know this is episode 120, so we have a yeah. few episodes to get there. But episode 123, which happens to come out the day before, day after Valentine's Day, we thought we would do the top 10 Captain America love interests. Well, I guess I've shown my hand. I'm thinking Bernie's your number one. <laughs> is that is that 
I, I, think know, I, think that's, I think that's been revealed. Yeah. Spoiler. Spoiler alert. Yeah. I could be talked into Bernie as number one. I really yeah. could. Yeah. I could also go with uh, your 2D character of yeah. Sharon Carter. Okay. Although there's nothing 2D about her. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. So we'll, we'll, we'll save that for right. a few episodes from now. Episode right. 123, we'll get into that. I'm also yeah. surprised if, if that was your top panel, why you didn't go with the I want you panel? Well, yeah, I think that one's been ruined for me now. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> You made me do it a second time. I know, I know. I, I have issues. <laughs> You're such a <laughs> okay. What about your favorite panel, Rick? Oh. All right. So I'm going to go with page 22. I'm going to go with panel four. Surprises me. I know for a guy who's not in the golden age. Yes. But I thought this was a very sentimental panel. I thought yeah. here it is. It's the last page. Jeff is saying his goodbyes to Steve. He's laying in his bed. Steve's kneeling next to him, holding his hand in his hand. And, and he's saying in this particular panel, and where there's images of, of the, the fallen invaders, right? We have Toro, we have Bucky, we have wizard. We have, uh, I can't remember her name. Uh, Miss America. Miss America. Yes. Which yeah. was Jeff Mace's wife, right? Uh, no, that was Golden Girl. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. That was his uh, early partner. Not early partner, but she 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 worked with him and, and eventually followed him because she kind of had a crush on him. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Well, way to ruin it for me, Bob. Okay. But, you know, here he is a very intimate time you know he's 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 passing and i love the the word balloons right it's been a good life a long life a full life and i know they're dear friends waiting for me on the other side and i don't know it's it's a don't we don't we all hope to be in that same mindset when it's our turn to go you know that right. it has been yeah. a good life a long life a full life and they're dear friends waiting for me on the other side yeah and, you know it hits home i mean that's it, it was really well done by de mateus and and sal did a nice job you know uh illustrating it yeah yeah beautiful well what about your uh what about your t-shirt Oh, T-shirt. Well, I'm going to go with uh, page 15. So page 15, and I'm going to go with the last panel. So that is, there's not much to this panel. It's just cap running. It's a white background with a yellow starburst behind mm -hmm. him. And it's cap charging, you know, with his shield, his fist forward. And then word balloon that says, I got news for you, pal. I think that would look good on a t-shirt. That would look good on a t-shirt. With a yellow, yeah. like white background, yellow starburst, 
Captain America charging with the word balloon. I got news for you, pal. Yeah. Who wouldn't want a t-shirt like that? Wouldn't we we that. could sell a few t-shirts with that we on could, it. Bob. We could. We could even give them away. Yeah. <laughs> right. Absolutely. I like that. That's good. Huh. How about you, Bob? What's your well, what's t-shirt worthy for you? It's a tough choice, Rick. Um I did like I, the golden age. I panel. want you. <laughs> That you know was, you wanted a t-shirt, Bob. That was going to be my fifth choice, but my number <laughs> one choice, it was tough. It was tough, but I'm going with that first page splash page with Cap running down the street with that determined look on his face. Sure. Uh, okay. You know, with the pedestrians behind him, you could even mm -hmm. take out those pedestrians in the buildings in the street and just have that image of, of Cap barreling with determination toward you. All right. So if you... If if we took out the street and the pedestrians and everything behind him and just mm -hmm. had the cap charging, mm -hmm. well, that's what I have. I have a cap charging. Okay. We can have two caps, Rick. It's okay. Mine has a starburst. <laughs> you want to keep the clouds? You can keep the clouds. It doesn't, it doesn't, but, uh, but I, I like, uh, you know, you see, you see the whole body here. You see yeah. the perspective, the depth of, of, of the pose, you know, he's in motion. I, I like that. I love the determination, the look on his face, the gritted teeth, the, the clenched fists. Uh, he's a man on a mission. Now you know? I'm going to, I'm going to totally be the, that guy. Okay. Be that guy. And I see the look of determination on this man's face. Mm -hmm. And I know you appreciate it. And I know you like it. Hmm. I got to say, on the cover, that grit and determination on Cap's face by Mike Zeck. I just like his, I just like that better. I just like it so much better. Yeah, it's funny, you know, because they are uh, in many ways similar. Obviously, it's Captain America, right? It's Steve mm -hmm. Rogers is Captain America. And yet there are telltale differences, right? 100%. Um, yeah, and, and it's funny because it, there's only a few colors used. Right. And the same colors are being used, right? Mm -hmm. There's blue and of course the flesh tone and the black mm -hmm. inks and the white. And so, you know, it's amazing to me like how different a face can look. Yeah. Agreed. With the, the, only a handful of colors being used. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. But, but they are, yeah, demonstrably different. What's going in your time capsule, Bob? Well, it's going to have to be um, the steno pads and typewriter. Damn it, that was mine. <laughs> I really thought you were going with the phone, man, the push-button phone. I might have to pivot now. You might have to pivot. I was going to go with steno pad. Yes, although I still use a steno pad, right? Do you? Yeah, I do. I, I prefer, you know, well, look. I got a little... Well, I like to take written notes too. Yeah. So I, I'm I, the guy at work that goes around with my notebook and yep, pencil. Me too. I, I order these by the 12 pack and uh, <laughs> I, 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 that's what I use. My red pens and my steno pad. So mm -hmm. uh, I don't use a typewriter anymore. Mm -hmm. But only because I make too many mistakes. So do you use whiteout? Uh, I, yeah, I use whiteout on my, when I print things out on my computer and they're not right. I just, I just white them out. I had back in the mid to late eighties, a typewriter that had whiteout like in it. 
Okay. Yeah. Right. Like you could go back. Yes. Yes. And you, yeah, yeah, you could go back and erase something with the whiteout strip and then retype over top of it. Yes. I remember that. Yes. I haven't thought about that in probably 30 years. Yeah. When I, when I went to college, my, uh, my mom at that time worked for, uh, she started working part-time when I was in high school, she went to work for Wang Industries. What kind of industries? Wang Industries. <laughs> so it was uh, it was a computer company. I'm sorry. Um, based I am, in Lowell, Massachusetts. I, I am this old and I'm still giggling at you saying <laughs> Wang. <laughs> it was founded by uh, Dr. Ann Wang, you know, Ann Wang. Uh, and they produced uh, like word processors and mainframe computers. This was back in, the, you know, the early 80s and uh uh, mid eighties. And they came out with uh, a typewriter that had a little tiny, like LCD screen. It was like one line. So you could type and it would show yes. up yes. Like a, a second before it went on the paper. Yes. Yes. That was called yeah. a, um, a word processor. That's what they I, called them. Yeah. I, I, I had a word processor. Called. Well, this you typed called... it, you typed it in the screen. Yes. And then when you saw what you liked, you yeah. hit something and then it, and then it typed it. Right. This was, was called a word was, processor. This, that was the general name, but this particular product was called the Wang Writer. <laughs> so I had I a Wang. A, <laughs> I almost, I almost spit my drink through my nose. So my mom, when I went to college, my mom got me at a discount. The employee price, a brand new Wang Writer. So I used Sorry, that. I had to, I, I, I had I to that Wang Writer a lot. <laughs> Did you? My hands were on it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> was there a lot of whiteout? <laughs> a lot of whiteout on that. So yeah. So it's funny. I don't know what ever happened to that, but you know, funny how technology changes. So. <laughs> uh, oh, uh, Lord, how about your time was capsule? There's a little ticking at the end. <laughs> <laughs> was there a sound effect? There was no sound effect. Uh, yes, okay. yeah. This was early on. Um, gee, what's my time capsule, Bob? Oh, your, yeah. Funny you should ask. Hmm, let me pivot. <laughs> so much. Well, so I'm going to go with. From. I'm going to go with. Uh, uh, Jack Monroe kicking the antenna. Oh, I was hoping you were going to pick that one. Yes. Why? Why were you hoping I was going to pick that? Because I got that one right in front of me. I thought that was another great one, and just it makes me giggle every time I I see that panel because I think about all those those people sitting in their living room trying to watch damn their, it my carol burnett is out their podcast <laughs> tv you know and like how important the proper placement of that antenna was to mm-hmm. good reception and yeah. and he just kicks the damn thing and breaks he it does yeah. he does <laughs> he's the true villain he really is yeah or is he a bad guy bob well, good point. Good point. Yeah. 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 I did go back and re-listen to episode nine where we talked about the top 10 villains not named Red Skull. Mm-hmm. And we made sure to classify the difference between a villain and a bad guy. Yeah. He's not a villain, Bob. He's a bad guy. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, Bob. This episode has gone incredibly long and I blame you for all your tangents. Yes. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, we will be back next episode when we have a very special guest bob and not would i say guest plural yes i did next episode 121 we are going to have back on the show 
Jackson Lansing, and Colin Kelly. And who are they? Come on, Cap fans, you know who they are. Those are the current writers for the Captain America Sentinel of Liberty series. Now, we had them back on uh, back in episode 91, right? So that was like 30-some episodes ago. Uh, we had them back on when Captain America Sentinel Liberty number one came out. Bob, you didn't join. I that what was the deal again? We I was I was protesting. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I was. I I think I was traveling again. Was I? Was I not traveling or something? Was I up visiting my dad or? I don't know. I think I might have been with my son up and visiting my dad in Massachusetts. And oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Now's your chance, Bob. You're going to have absolutely yeah. a chance to talk to Jackson and Colin because we want to have them back on the show to talk about the first eight issues of this series, mm -hmm. right? I mean, we man, there's so much that happened, you know, with the uh, with the outer circle, right? Yep. Right. Yeah. With with the the relationship between Steve and Bucky. Yeah. With yeah. uh, just the whole series, talking about right. the series now that we've read it and and, and uh, Steve being, you know, having a personal life again yeah. and, and then having uh, these new characters like the redacted and old characters like Peggy and, and so on coming back. And, and for that matter, Sharon is now finally back. Right. Yeah. I can't wait to talk to Jackson and Colin and uh, about you know, what's happened, but also what's coming up because there's, there's the cold war crossover with the Sam series mm -hmm. symbol of truth. And right. then we've got Ian Rogers back. We got all so much to talk about. A lot going on. Make sure you come back next episode, 121, where we have Jackson and Colin on the show. I also want to ask them who I got to talk to to get a letter published now that Grant Baugh and Ash Barnes have, uh, have I know was that right? so cool so yeah I'm so I gotta you, pay I'm so glad you brought that up and we will talk about that um next episode too because I think that's something cool to talk about with Jackson and Colin is is that you know our our listeners our patrons they're not just listeners Bob they are yeah. patrons they are supporting the show on a monthly basis and you know what good things happen <laughs> is it karma I don't yeah, know. I don't know. But they got their letters published in 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 the uh, in the comic. God, I'm I'm more proud of them than I am of my own son for crying. Oh, out. Yeah. <laughs> poor Bobby, <laughs> poor Bobby. No, seriously, such a great accomplishment. Love that. Yeah, hundred percent. All right, Bob. Well, as always, it's been so much fun wrapping cap with you. It has. It. Has. I can't wait till next week, Rick. Absolutely. He's Bob Lucius. I'm Rick Verbonis, and you have been listening to another episode of the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. He is Captain America, and even the jaded peds. <laughs> God. <laughs> <laughs> It's a stupid hyphen again, Bob. <laughs> Attack of the hyphen. Oh, those pedos. It says peds, P-E-D-E-S hyphen, next line.
T-R-I-A-N-S. The Trians. <laughs> oh, those peds, Trians. <laughs> All right, let's try this again. America's greatest hero lives again. Lives again. <laughs> <laughs>